such few checkboxes or with such, so few checkboxes or such their small check bars. boxes are poultry. look at those bars their bars are so much smaller <laughs> than your bars <laughs> Welcome back to Refactored, the show where we try and help you suck just a little bit less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And I'm Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 006. Hey, Frank, how are you? A few minutes you? late, buddy. I apologize. That's all right. That's all right. I expected it. I expect nothing less. <laughs> I got to say, it's nice having the kids out of the house. Uh, they, they went back to school this week. And so I have had two days of uninterrupted peace and quiet during the day. Oh. And you've done three weeks worth of work and in I've those two days. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. That's what you get when you become a parent. Uh, you 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 now have superpowers. You know, yeah. you can do in four hours what used to take you a week. <laughs> so there's a there's a comic I follow, uh, a web comic called Foul Language F O W L. And I have I think I've seen that. Before. You've seen that one. OK, so th- this guy is is fantastic. He he does the, the, his whole his whole shtick is is parenting stuff. And um, one of his early ones uh, was a one of those contrast panels uh, Monday morning when you're without kids. And and you, oh, I can't believe I'm back here again. And then Monday morning with kids. Hello, work. <laughs> Yep. Yep. I've seen, I also, I also get very angry at former Chris, you know, uh, Chris BC before children. Uh, I, because I don't know how he could have gotten so little done and wasted so much time and still complained about things. I mean, if I, if you just think about, uh, the nights, the weekends, the mornings, all of the downtime, all of the time you had before kids, it's like, what did what did I do with that? If I only knew then what I know now, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, jeez, oh, yeah. I, I I I look back on those years and I, I I miss the the sheer laziness. And at the same time, I feel like, man, maybe you should have done. Maybe you should have been more productive with yourself. What the yeah. what the hell's the matter with you? What are you What are you doing with your life? <laughs> What would you say you did there <laughs> for a good portion of it? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely, and I and I, I I I kind of miss that. But I I yeah. I know now why. I sort of get the empty nester ness. I, I, you know, you miss the kids, but at the same time, you have all that freedom again, and you just screw it. We're gonna go do this stuff again, and it's gonna be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's it's something to in that bittersweet symphony that is watching mm-hmm. your kids grow up it's a uh, something to look forward to yeah well that's life everything uh yesterday was the good old days and tomorrow everything will be better you know it's mm. just that's life oh boy we're being super poetic here all right enough we sappy are. stuff uh what's on your docket to chat about today uh well i so i'll give you a full uh review once i once i break it in a little bit and get used to i don't have it yet but i did order that Moonlander we talked oh. a couple of weeks ago okay the, Ortholinear and the split keyboards and mechanical keyboards. I wound up, I wound up pulling trigger. So oh, I'm boy. waiting for that. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so I think my, the, the only thing um, I, I don't really know. Uh, 
I don't really know what what to talk about today. I'm in this weird spot where I just I don't know. I have things that I need to get done. I have more things to get done than I have hours in the day. And um yet I still feel like I don't know. I I still feel like there's something lacking that I'm missing something. I'm not doing something. And I think I'm in a season where uh I feel like I'm not putting myself out of a job. And, and that that might sound weird, but uh, I've come to learn that the best way to keep your job is to try to eliminate it, right? So the more, the more, maybe this is not a universal truth. Maybe I'm just lucky, but, um, you know, with, you know, we're in this, in this technology space and it's like the more you automate and the, the, you know, you take people from doing a low level task, you automate the low level task, you free them up to do a higher level task, which is theoretically higher ROI for their time. Mm-hmm. You keep doing this over and over again. You would think at some point, you know, it's like a pyramid. You know, this right now we're spending most time on the lowest level task. Well, if you take that away, there's less pyramid. You have time free, and eventually you get to a point where you're not doing anything anymore. And I've had the opposite happen, where as we automate more of the, I'll just call it bullcrap, um, <laughs> the demand Accurate. on both my time personally as a leader and also that of my team from a from an output standpoint only increases. Um, and I'm curious if you have observed a similar, I'm going to call it a paradox, you know, where the, the harder you work to, on the surface, put yourself out of a job, the, the more demand you create for your time and your talent. Well, I, that's, but you, you and I have seen that over lots of years that that is in fact what happens. You try and automate yourself out of a job and in doing so, you actually just make yourself more valuable because what happens is people look at the results and go, oh. That's you did really good work here. I have this other thing over here that you can work on. Or what about this other thing? You know, or have you thought about doing this? And so there's always new, there's always new opportunity. And so the demand doesn't go away. The demand increases the work itself. uh, Ideally you are automating and refactoring out of garbage and and you're getting away from lower level rudimentary manual stuff. You know, you can on a real basic level, uh, production deployment is, is a really perfect example. So, you know, when you first start out and it's less of an issue th- these days, but you know, you go back 10 years, you set up your production environment and you'll, you'll, you'll set up that server manually. You will, you will pull the code. You'll, you'll, you'll remote into that box. You'll get, pull that code down. You'll do your various manual deployment steps and it's usually small enough and simple enough when you start that it, oh, okay, this is pretty easy. I can just do a git pull and run a couple commands and I'm good. I'll just keep doing that for production. And over time, it gets bigger and more convoluted and you add a step and you add another step and you add another step. And before you realize it, you've got this, this cruft. And so you automate that away and it makes it easier. And so now you're not, now you're not focused on it as, as much, but you know, you, the, the product itself you're automating it because it's complex. So the product has grown in complexity. So your mental space and the work that you're doing has, by definition, also increased. And so, yeah, you've automated that away, but you, your, your time and attention is still in demand on it because it is, it is a continually growing thing. It's, it's the same, apply the same concept to your, to your professional life, I think. Yeah, and I've wondered if it's not if it's not sort of a good example of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you automate the lower level. And automate doesn't necessarily mean, oh, now I have Jenkins. That's of course we're we're talking more broadly than that. Automate could be a delegation, automate could be um, 
you know, we've simply outsourced whatever, you know, whatever automation means you're not doing the thing manually. You automate the lower level tasks, you free yourself up to think at a higher level and to uh, spend your time solving higher level issues, which is, you know, theoretically more valuable to the business. And, and maybe you spend your time thinking and, and working at higher levels. And so, you naturally involve yourself in more complex, more valuable discussions that open up new opportunities, that drive demand, that then come back and require more of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also thought about it, thought about it that way. That you know, just you, 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 you're you're now spending your time at a higher level, and so uh, you're now you know, uh, luck is when opportunity meets preparedness. You know, you're you're operating at that higher level, and so you come across more challenges at that level. But you're suggesting that you're not be, getting that now. That's what you're saying is you, you're not seeing no, that happen. It might just be, it's just been cold and gray for two weeks. Maybe I'm grumpy. I don't know, but I feel like, uh, I feel like I've, I've just, I've struggled lately. I think to push the envelope forward, we've got a lot of, um, you know, a lot of maintenance and, and a lot of limitations on the different teams. And so I think, uh, I think for me, it's just, um, just a season of of maintenance and routine and kind of bookkeeping, cleaning things up, and you know, which which often happens at the end of the year. Um, it could it so could I be? Think, I uh, mean, the other thing that could be happening too, kind is of this be- transition phase between wrapping up the twenty tasks and bootstrapping the twenty one tasks, and you know, it's just a lot of different things in different directions. But we're not really feeling like I'm progressing on anything. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it could be that it could also just simply be that you are, um, reaching, uh, reaching the the glass ceiling, you know, you hear about this in terms of, you know, gender pay gap stuff, but I I think it's, it's, uh, more, more apt with, you know, where you can go with the, uh, with the work, you know, you reach a certain point and okay, you've, you've elevated the game and you've elevated the game. The next step takes you into somewhere the business either isn't prepared to go or doesn't or you've got to deal with already doing it. Exactly. Yeah. You're yeah, dealing with other point. political players. Now, if this were reversed, I would have said, you know, if, if I was giving you this advice, I would have said you've, you've finally reached the level of your incompetence, uh, which is, of course, <laughs> which is, a- of course, the old. I forget who who wrote that. It was back in the 70s. Somebody proffered that, you know, in, in the corporate world, everybody eventually. um they they get promoted to their level of incompetence. The idea being that, you know, you're really good at your job where you are. And so you get promoted and you're really good at that job where you are. So you get promoted. It's and, the Peter eventually principle. you, Peter yeah, principle. eventually you rise to a level where, okay, you're not really good at your job anymore. You're just okay. You're able to keep it going, but you're not really excelling. So you don't get another promotion. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that everybody rises to the level of their incompetence and then kind of from the top down, the org chart starts filling with everybody who's incompetent at what they're doing. And then the business fails. Yeah. So I'm reading a little bit between the lines, but that was kind of part of the, um, part of the thesis. Uh, As I understand it, the book was supposed to be satire. There was, a, it was actually, no, it was, book. oh yeah, it was yeah. actually a book yeah. and it was supposed to be satire, but there is absolutely some truth to it. And unfortunately I don't think enough people do enough self-reflection to say, okay, yeah, this is not what I want to do. What I really want to do is right here and finding that so sweet ha- spot. And so, so on that point, you're, you're, you're at a, you know, we're, we're both at a level now where, um, not to say that we don't have peers within our respective organizations, but the air's getting a little thinner. Um, and you're also probably not speak for yourself. I'm a badass. I'm, I'm a okay. total, All right. I'm a, you know, 
in a, in a, in a, in a sea of, of general infantry. I am the black ops, my friend. I mean, okay. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a lazy schlub and <laughs> you are a Dwayne, the rock Johnson of your organization. That's there you cool. go. Let's go. I'll with accept that. your sure. premise. I'll yeah, accept yeah. your premise. <laughs> So you, you probably you're at a level where you're probably not doing as much direct collaboration with your peers as like a like a line, you know, line coder would. Um, right. And you've you've got, you know, I think our organizations are about similar size. That is to say that, you know, our, our headcount that we're responsible for overseeing is about the same size. Mm-hmm. How do you get real feedback from your team? You know, I do this thing where um, we may have talked about it on a prior week. I do this thing called the uh, continuous reflection exercise, where it's, it's, you know, it's it's a review process that doesn't suck. Is um, that spread? Yeah, you you um, you you talked about it being um, a power a PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah, based, yeah PowerPoint. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. You you, yep. you told me about it. I think it's awesome. I think it's, it's a really really great idea. We don't do that, but so, uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I have I have a slide in there and it's it's feedback for me. So I send this to my direct reports and I want them to assess my performance on a 10 point scale. What can I do better? What you know, what can I do? Uh what have I done really well? What should I double down on? That sort of thing. And I have I mean to a man, uh, to a to a they uh <laughs> to a person. every single time we've run this exercise, uh I have been underwhelmed with that. I do not get good feedback from my right. team. Is that is that because I mean, that's got to be, that's my failure. I, I know that that is my failure uh, somehow, well, but how do you, I mean, have you cracked this nut? How, yeah, how are you uh, okay. getting so, actual, real, earnest, actionable feedback from your team? Right. Okay. So I don't, um, uh, no, you didn't. I don't think you failed this time in this way right now. This, this, I'm mean, uh, willing to make this uh, one this exception, one, Chris. this one slide. <laughs> this time you did This fail. time it's not you. That's it, magnanimous of you. I, I really appreciate I, you saying I, that. I, I am You've the brightened Dwayne, my Tuesday. I am the Dwayne the Rock Johnson of my organization. I mean, this, this kind true. of stuff is expected of me. It so is. I don't think this is you. I think this is a general, this is a general problem. When, when you have this problem, congratulations, you have arrived at a, at a serious position of authority because your team is naturally disinclined to give criticism, critical feedback to the people above them because, I mean, it's, it's self-preservation. It, it just makes perfect sense. You don't want to talk bad about the boss. That's all it is. I mean, it's just a human, it's a human action. Uh, and I mean, I think we've all done it. I, I certainly know I have in the past having, uh, being in the position I'm in now and recognizing what's going on and being on the receiving end of it, I'm, I try and avoid that with my own bosses. But even when I do that, I still think, okay, I don't want to be, I don't want to come in too hard here. So even if you're aware of the problem, it's, it, it's, it's like a, it, it, it's, it's like a Heisenberg, you know, like <laughs> being able to observe it. Um, so. What I uh, what I like to do for this is, um, but I've never I've never had, uh, but I've never had a boss, and this is this is what I do. This is what I ask of my of my team. Um, I said, look, we're all humans. That means we're all imperfect, and you know, I'm I'm chief among the imperfect, right? So, please, what can I be doing better? You know, and where can I double down that I've really nailed? Mm-hmm. And I've I've even said before. You know, you guys see 
my imperfection. You guys see my shortcomings. You guys see my failures, maybe more than anybody else. Um, and you report to me. So the extent to which I'm dysfunctional directly makes your life suck. Help me help you. My mm -hmm. job here is to make yours as, as my, you know, as, as, uh, one of my direct reports, I feel like my job is to make yours a success. Mm -hmm. So please be honest. Mm -hmm. Let me know how I can be better so that I can serve you better. Right. And I still like no boss has ever said that to me. If they had that True. kind of an earnest, uh, earnest gave me an earnest runway like that, I would be much because I understand what you're saying. Of course, um, I would be much more, you know, willing to broach the topic, but I just, I can't seem to get good feedback and, and the other direction as well. Um, hey, you know, my boss sees what I do, sees uh, probably second best out of everybody uh, where I'm where I'm strong and where I'm weak. And, you know, it's it's tough to get good feedback. You know, it's no, oh, no issues. Well, I appreciate that there's not a there's not a, a glaring problem, but that's that's not really feedback. That's just a red, yellow, green, you know performance indicator, which, which is helpful, but it's not really, uh, if I want to try to suck less tomorrow, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, so there are, you, you would ask me if I had come up with a way around this. I have come up with a couple things that you can try, but the key all is right, lamb on me. All right. So lamb the, key, on me. The, the challenge here is the fact that you are soliciting them, soliciting their feedback from them directly. And they are going to be, as I described, naturally disinclined to do that. And so you've got to, you've actually got to put, uh, you've got to do it like a, like a case study. You've got to put some blinders on there. Uh, you can, so there's a couple of things you can do. Uh, the easiest thing for you would be to, in some way, anonymize the feedback, give them a way to submit it in a fully anonymous fashion. You can do that with forms, but it also is easier if you put an actual body in between. Uh, somebody from HR or uh, your boss. You could even you could set up skip level meetings with your boss and your team with the understanding. Do you guys do this? We do skip levels, yeah. And one of yeah. the things we ask about is is feedback, but we work pretty broadly and consistently across the organization to try and just keep all the lines of communication open. So, so while we do run into this, we're just always reiterating. If you talk to me, if you don't want to talk to me, talk to this person over there, but just you know, keep don't sit on information. So we're always we're always having that that conversation. Um, so you you could do you could do that. Uh, you know, some some way of anonymizing, though, is 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 probably the key. The other thing you can do is you can there's an interesting way that you can kind of backdoor it depending on your your structure. So I have. So as director, I have my teams broken up where each team of about three or four has a manager and the managers are the ones that report to me. And so their direct reports are, are my skip levels. And so I'm able to do what I'm describing for my managers. I can ask the team how they're doing and then I can give, you know, give feedback to the managers that way. But I can also get feedback out of the managers by having them solicit feedback from their team and say, hey, I want you to go talk to the team about you know, how we're doing as an organization or me, you know, including me personally. And, and they have that discussion with their team privately, and then they can bring the feedback to me without naming names or anything like that. It gives them a very easy place to just slipstream in their own thoughts and add it, add it in. 
And, and there's I an interesting thing. If you've got, you know, three, four, five different, you know, separate teams under you that, mm-hmm. that I know we both do, um, it would be interesting to see if what feedback is the same and what's different. So if all if all the teams come back with the same thing, well, that's probably not your manager's issue. That's a that's an organizational problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But if if four of the teams come back with the same thing and one team comes back with something else, there's a good chance that something else is isolated to that team Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe they're not feeling the pain that everybody else is for some uh, side reason, but um, there might be some hidden information even in that. That's a that's not a bad idea. Yeah. So it's a it's a way to it's a way to give them an out without attribution, you know, a way for them Mm. to. To, to do it in a, in, a, in, a, in a back, it's kind of a backwards fashion. It's not something that I play that I plan out overtly, but it naturally can happen because you're, you know, they're collecting feedback from their group and they could just, they are part of that group. And so it's easy for them to just lump in what they've, um, what they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, it's, it's really key to get yourself out of being the direct recipient. And, and, you know, even if it's as simple as, you know, I set up this form, it's a hundred percent anonymous. Um, you know, you don't actually, and it would have to be 100% anonymous. You've got to be able to, you know, they've got to be able to submit it without actually having their, their name attached to it. And there's, there's ways you can do that with survey stuff. And so Mm -hmm. you can make that, you can make that happen. Um, but your, your boss is going to be probably the most effective source of that kind of feedback. but now, now that calls into question the managerial capability of of your boss too, because you know some people are better at this than others. Some people want to hear this feedback. Some people don't. Uh, some people, even if they get the critical feedback, they are uncomfortable delivering critical feedback to others, whether they are above or below them. Which is something that really, it's an inclination you really have to kill being yeah. a manager, but m- not a lot of people do. Um, no, but if, if, but, I, and that's, that's one thing that I, you know, my personality, uh, it, my natural inclination is just let something ride. It's not a big deal, you know, wave it off. And that's, that's not the way to, that's not the way to manage a team effectively. You've, you've mm-hmm. got to deal with things as they come up, deal with them, you know, while they're, while they're small before they get big. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's something that I had to, I had to retrain myself on to some degree, mm-hmm. um, is to have those uncomfortable conversations when they're uncomfortable and when they're not, uh, you know, excruciatingly painful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Have it early feedback, early and often often. one of the, I, um, and start low, you know, if I, especially if it's a problem, right. Okay. As soon as I think there might be a problem, Hey, let's talk about this. If it continues to be a problem, let's talk again. And, but now the second time, it's a little warmer. You know, I turn the heat up on the stove a little bit, you know, turn the dial a little. And the next time, the third time, now it's now it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And there's sort of a natural escalation to those if it's something that's going to, you know, unchecked, if it grows and it's going to put us on a path to where like we've got to talk about termination, that's not going to be a surprise when we get there because right. there's been this escalating conversation over time. Um, well, it's, it, it empowers, it, it empowers uh, the conversation for you giving the critical feedback. I told you yeah. this, you know, small thing, just fix a small thing. 
doesn't get fixed. Hey, I told you to fix this small thing. And you can confidently say, I told you to fix this small thing. You mm-hmm. haven't fixed this small thing. Why haven't you fixed the small thing? Yeah. So you can still be, yeah. so you can still speak supportively and, 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 you know, con- but you're, you're confident in what you're talking about and right. you're both on the same page. That's why the, the frequent open communication is so important because then this stuff is just, it's, it's very natural. What people run into trouble when there's a, there's a jarring gap, you know, one side doesn't even know there's a problem and the other side sees this huge problem. That's what causes the, the, the issues. Whereas, and and you've seen this happen where somebody just swallows something over time and over time and over time, and eventually they explode. Yep. And and then the other sides as surprised as they are dismayed. And that doesn't help the the dynamic. Doesn't work either. Right. So, and I've seen if you, and I think if you approach these discussions, just honestly and objectively, that's people see that. Oh, I, people 100%. see that you're just you're an honest broker and you're out for, you know, rising tide floats all boats. It's not personal. You get a reputation for that that I think um that I think I think helps as well. Oh, 100%. So, um rules for for constructive criticism, uh completely avoid emotion. There, there there's no emotion. You don't you don't get upset, they don't get upset. Even if they are upset, you don't talk about the emotion. You leave that part of you leave feels completely out of it, and you just talk facts. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this is the result. And you just focus in on those overt, yeah. concrete, factual statements. And, you know, this is what happened. We can't have this happen. This is why we can't have this happen. This is how we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And you're just concretely just driving at that and you're focused on you, you also avoid pronouns and like a lot of the same rules that you, we've discussed how you how you run code reviews and you know keeping yourself yep keeping yourself dissociating yourself from the code same same basic idea you know it, it, you're focused on the problem now that problem I, has I a watched. person behind it but you're focused on the problem not the yeah. person I never, I never watched it, but uh, one of my one of my college roommates really loved Futurama. Apparently, there's a quote he used to say it all the time. Something about came up about self improvement. The response was, well, "You can't improve yourself because yourself sucks." <laughs> and it was a bender line, maybe. Probably. Um, there's also I, I you're actually, bad and you should feel bad. There's there's also that one. And, I like yes. that one yep. in reviews. Your that one goes over really well. You should feel bad. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that's, um, that's a Zoid. I, uh, I saw like I saw a couple of episodes, you know, incidentally. I, I never really got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually learned my, well, that's, uh, my wh- current wh- boss. Whoa, 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 whoa. You never got into Futurama? You've never. Yeah, I just. I, yeah. What? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't grab me. I, I, I think we have to reconsider this podcast. I'm not sure if I can talk <laughs> with you <laughs> open and honestly <laughs> to a guy, to an engineer who does not watch and appreciate the genius of Futurama. Yeah. It didn't. It just didn't light me on fire. I don't you, know. you need to. You, you need to try that again. Let's. I'm gonna give it. You know what? I'll give it. Uh, well, how many? I'll give it. A, I'll give it a shot. Go past shot. season one. They're kind of finding their legs. Season two, okay. they really. End of season one. Season two, they really hit their. They hit their stride. Okay. okay. Anything with Bender, really? Just I will just take that. Under find something. Find something where Bender is the is the focus of the store of the plot for the episode, and you'll be in good shape. Okay. Oh, the one where Bender plays God. That's a great one. That's a really, yeah. really good one. Yeah. All right. I forget what it's called. I can't even remember what the the title and I can't remember the season. But if you Google that, I'm sure you can find it. Okay. I'll take so, I'll take that under advisement. Yeah. The yeah council you, will you, consider this. You do that. Yeah. You you, you yeah. go ahead and do that. 
My my current boss is actually really good about staying, you know, everybody wants to talk about being solutions oriented and not a lot of people are good at it because there are always <laughs> other things creep in. My current boss is amazing at this. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's an issue. He honestly really doesn't care who did it or why they did it or ha- he just wants to make sure it's not going to happen again, you know, mm-hmm. and there might be something if it's like behavioral, maybe there's something which I've never seen at this level, but there, you know, I'm sure he would attack that appropriately. But, um, you know, as far as like, it's just, Hey, look, we, we had a miss. What's the procedure? What's the process? What's the workflow? What's the tool? What's the rule? What's, you know, what do we do to not have it happen again? Um, and inevitably somebody, somebody will, you know, jump in. Oh, but, but it was just, it's, I don't care. Just how do we make it not happen again? Like I don't, he's, he doesn't spend time browbeating people. Like everybody knows at some point, it was, if you want to take this worldview, somebody's fault, it's like, it's immaterial. Let's just make sure it doesn't happen again and get back to work. Um, and I've actually, I've actually learned a little from, from watching that play out. It's, it's, it's been a good example. Mm-hmm. More than I think, you know, because he's one of the few people who I've seen actually practice solutions orientation pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of other people talk about it, and then that is not the way they behave. <laughs> you know, there's a there's dissonance there. Oh yeah, well, I mean, you you got to uh, you know people people who are playing the game, you, you got to say the right words. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to follow through. I mean, that's the yeah, that's that's yeah, just as in just as in you know public politics, corporate politics, it's the same kind of thing. There there are the things you yeah. have to say, and then there's the things that you actually do, and actually those two things don't always line up. Not necessarily congruent. Not necessarily. Not, congruent. not really. Not 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 congruent. And and so and, I've been thinking. I I don't know if I don't know if there was anything particular on your mind. Um, but I was thinking about this. Uh, we were talking about Orion last week, or we were before an endless sequence of sidebars that never actually. I did think we never actually had time. We could go back everything to solar off winds. the stack. Yeah, we could yeah, go back. We to never it. actually popped everything off the stack and got back to it. But, um, you know. Aside from vigilance and audits, I'm I'm struggling to see where you actually prevent as an organization. I'm struggling to see whether there is a prevention step oh, on there these is. side channel attacks. Yes. Yeah? What do you got? Yes. All right. So um so yeah, I guess we didn't so to close the loop on on preventing it last week we we talked about how uh they got into the pipeline and they were by getting into the pipeline, the the actual authoritative distributor of the software was actually distributing the bad stuff. The you know the bad actor yeah. had gotten in. Yeah. So like if I'm an organization, I have a policy that says if I'm going to download an update, I've got to clear it. I've got to check the, you know, SHA two fifty six sum or the GPG signature of the file. Mm-hmm. All of that would have looked fine. We would have had no indication. Um, you know, now in terms of of um, oversight and review and response, obviously, you know that's any incident management policy would apply to this, but particularly on the prevention side, uh, which is which is less and less of the overall security puzzle these days. Um, I was curious if you if you had any. It sounds like you had some. Yeah, so there. so there is. Yeah, there's actually. Um, this goes back to. Um, uh, so so if 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 the code they, they slipstreamed code into the repository that was malicious, and then it went out the door. Uh, legitimately. So the one of the 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 uh, the one thing that would have stopped it, and honestly, a company of the size and scope and 
uh, sensitivity and potential impact of of solar winds. They what they should have done, they should have had this, and that's uh, code commit signing. So if you have so code commit signing is exactly what it sounds like. Every individual commit going into the Git repository has a signature. That signature ties back to an individual keys assigned to that individual. So the an only way if developer. That, so right, every so developer is creating commits against the code. They all the the SCM, you know, in this case, a, a GitHub or a, a Bitbucket or whatever it is, forces every commit that's pushed to have a valid signature from one of your developers. Every every Git repository and every Git client you've ever used has the prompts to set this stuff up and everybody just skips right. And on you've by. always ignored them. Why? Oh. Damn it. I need to put an email address in here. Fine. Put on my name, put in my email, tick, 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 get out of my way. I want to push, you know, that's that step where the keys are attached to that information. That's the thing that would have stopped this because the code itself was not by a valid individual. And so those keys would not have been in there. Now, code doesn't buy you a guarantee. It buys you time. So you could still get now, point around of- that, but it would be a much, much higher bar. Now you got to get at an individual developer's, individual contributor's keys. Right. You're, just, you're, pushing, you're pushing the goalposts further and further, further and further, further away, which is, exactly. which is fine. Yeah. Um, and, and then ultimately that just comes down to sound key management policy, which exactly. is always going to be like, Oh, everything is always key management at the end of the day. Um, the <laughs> way true. that we currently, the way that we currently secure things is via encryption and signatures. It's always key management. It's turtles all the way down. So my question would be, with respect to the Orion hack specifically, did they author, did they author a source commit that was fraudulent, or did they modify the binary after it was? produced by Jenkins or did they modify the code after Jenkins loaded it but before it was so, transformed I into mean, a you're, binary you're reaching, yeah we start reaching a point where they you know they they start getting fuzzy on details for security sensitivity okay, so we don't, we reasons. Don't necessarily what know. I think okay. well what I it's what I understand is that it was a it was a commit um uh, no, excuse me. It um, it wasn't a commit. It was post commit. It was somewhere in the uh, in the pipeline step. So somebody actually went in okay. and modified so they, the code. They, had, they probably had code running on the Jenkins agent that right. saw the Git checkout and then made a diff right. against okay. it before it was. Yeah. So right. so here's so now <laughs> so that begs the question. Well, wait a minute. You just talked about code signing, and this actually wasn't a code signing. How would that help? Well, if the, all the code is signed, then I can actually. Line by line, I can verify every single line of code and I can trace it back to a commit, back to an author when it's in, a, in an authoritative fashion, when it's signed. And in, mm-hmm. since there was no signing, there was, there was no way to do that. Uh, it, it would be possible if the code was, in fact, non-existent in the repository. Again, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm fuzzy. I don't know if it actually ended up in the code in the in the Git repository, or if they pushed it in after it was pulled, after it was fetched, and then processed. I'm not sure, you know, which side of the fence that happened on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if it was after the pull happened, you could just do a diff and see it. But if it's before, then it would be the code signing, and you would see, oh, this code came in for you know, this wasn't signed. This is this is an invalid code. Yeah, the, I mean, the code signing certainly adds another layer there. I my question was actually. 
as the receiving organization, as you know, Chris okay. Incorporated, I deploy SolarWinds Orion into my environment. It, you know, if I want to suck less tomorrow, and I just got bit by this Solar Winds uh, hack, the Solar Winds hack, right? Which, uh oh, I think we lost Chris. <laughs> he locked up. <laughs> so let's give him a second here, see if we can't get him back. Okay, so we're we're back. So you had a hardware interruption. Yeah, something. Uh, uh, I lost. I lost audio. I lost video. I lost inputs. Uh, I have everything running through a small uh, USB switch, so I can go toggle between uh, my two machines. And I think that must have flaked on uh-huh. me. Ah, flaked out on That's you. Right. How dare you? All right. So you were saying about. So anyway, my my point was this: as an organization, Chris Incorporated, a vast multi-billion-dollar international empire uh, that it is. If I've deployed one of the Orion systems into my environment, now I'm on the other end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I going to do differently tomorrow to suck less? How am I going to? Now again, detection and remediation is the same as it always has been, and I'm not saying right. there's nothing left to learn there, but I'm saying this is not unique. With a supply chain attack as the receiving organization, is there anything by You're, way of prevention that I you can are? Do? I mean, the only thing that I can think of is is the digital signature thing because I mean you are relying on the authority and trust of that of that yeah. new organization. I think you're in other words, nothing, because in this case they were upstream of the signing. It was, event, so. Exactly. I mean, you were upstream. Nothing. That's okay. why see to me, that's why these, uh, these supply chain attacks are the most dangerous because it's, it's not an endpoint. You're so far, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like we talk about, you know, you hear, you hear the term shift left, you know, moving, moving stuff mm-hmm. to the to the left side of the of the flow chart getting all that stuff done earlier sooner well the attacks are shifting left and as the attacks shift yeah. left and that becomes even it becomes very hard for downstream entities to detect if at all and in this case mm-hmm. i i don't think there was any way that they would have detected it and um you you're you're just you you just have to rely on their trust and so trust between the organizations becomes extremely mm-hmm. important and so now you fall back into you know trust so we're talking detection about and remediation is we're the talking. only thing you know making well, at this sure point, that yeah you're- detection and remediation now there were there were signs so uh, solar winds did release uh a uh, a pretty in-depth guide for what to look for to see if you were vulnerable obviously if you have these versions of this software you are no, they they had, they pretty quickly published pretty easy to spot IOCs. That's fine, right. but but that's actually where I was going to go with this in terms of detection. One of the things that I do, and I encourage my team to do it as well. I have um, because I uh, I wear an onion on my belt. I have uh, an RSS reader still. It's it's 2021, but I, I have uh, RSS still exists, and I I subscribe to it. I'm I'm still um, I'm still kind of wondering why the hell you have an onion on your belt, but okay. That's, you know, you know, you never heard this. I've never heard this. I mean, this is okay. This is, so you've uh, never heard of Futurama, and I've never heard of onions on belts. This so is I this is call classic Simpsons reference. Uh, oh. Old man Simpson, Grandpa Simpson, is telling a story, and he's doing the old man thing where it's just full of tangents, like we were last week, full of sidebars and no actual story. Yeah. And he says, "Oh, back back in my day," and then at one point he's like, "We we we all wore onions on our belts because that was the style back then." 
Um, and so anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. So I find it, there, there is some poetic justice here. You missed my Futurama reference. I missed your Simpsons reference, both of which are by Matt Groening. So both you know, of them are Matt Groening. Exactly. That's, right. that's yeah. kind of, so you know, there's some, there's some yin yang going on there. Yeah. Anyway. So you were saying um, RSS. Right. Uh, what I do when I pick up a new project, when I pick up a new framework, when I pick up um, any new stack technology from from the OS up, uh, you know, CSS library, whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, I will. Um, I will look, I will look on their site and I will see if they have a uh, if they have an RSS feed for news and blog and so forth, then I'll mm -hmm. subscribe to it. And I put them all in one giant polluted folder called tooling. Um, and then I take a look at that. Maybe it's every morning, maybe it's uh, every week. Uh, but I, I monitor that because often you'll see, oh, hey, we, we got compromised or we have an update or here's a security bulletin or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that, that tends to be a pretty good way to keep your, keep your finger on the pulse of this stuff. Yep. That's a good thing to do. Uh, you can also Google alerts is another way you can do it, which is effectively yeah, yeah. like a search-based RSS feed. Uh, you can follow Twitter. They tend to broadcast this stuff pretty, uh, pretty readily there. I am not the biggest fan of Twitter just for a whole mess of reasons, but I remember somebody once describing it as the internet's ham radio. And once I thought about it that way, I thought that, may, that makes a lot of sense. And so as a utility, it has its uses. Uh, I think uh, outages and compromises are are definitely uh, useful. The other thing, so if we're talking about things that somebody who got hit with solar winds could do tomorrow, uh, or to to get started with tomorrow to try and prevent this stuff in the future, watch for compromises. I think that's that's great feedback. Uh, checking signatures for patches is another thing that yeah. you could do it wouldn't help in this case necessarily but that's one thing that you you can and always should do especially if you're an organization of any 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 size or significance you know there there's real splash damage there's real monetary loss to these things and so you owe it to yourself to do this right um the other thing that uh that i can think of is uh it's more proactive but in your network setup and your network monitoring you should be watching where the connections are going and getting alerted on aberrant stuff. Uh, in this, in the in the case of Solar Winds, it was going to a malicious server. Um, it was going to a specific domain name. What I don't know from what I read offhand is whether or not that domain name was valid, and they were, uh, and the and the attackers changed the DNS entry. Or if it was a bad domain to begin with. No, I mean, and in fact, they use that they use that as a kill switch, like they did with uh, one of the prior uh, high-profile ransomware attacks. Um, in that case, it was it was a uh, there was an algorithm that would generate the domains, and then uh, I think it was a white hat or a gray hat reverse engineered the uh, the algorithm. That's right. For the yeah, I remember that story. In this case, in this case, it was just one domain name that was the IOC that was the big um, mm -hmm. that was the big IOC they published immediately hey look if you've got this in your logs then you've got this version of of Orion then you're popped you know right uh, you, you had to look for specific communications now. to it right so e either way you know looking at your network traffic and watching 
okay, this is consistent behavior. This is what it looks like. This is the normal profile. And then red flag on things that are outside that profile. Now, that's a lot of heuristics. That's a lot of guesswork. That is. Do you, do you guys, uh, do you have any tools in prod that you recommend for that kind of analysis? Well, I mean. And we're getting more into like security governance and network architecture, but I mean, if you got tools. Network architecture. Because I know, I know Lacework just earned that they just raised uh, about a $600 quadrillion round C. I think it was like a $500, $500 million round C or something like that. And I know they kind of operate in this space. Lace work. I, uh, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't recognize the name, but I'm also not. Uh, I, I'm not of the general security bent, as you know. I, I, mm. Security is something that I have picked up as a matter of course. It was never my. Um, it was never my. Um, gotcha. Never my focus. But uh, so, tell me a little bit about. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about lace works because I'm I'm kind of curious now. Uh, Lacework, they monitor traffic and activity, and it's one of these AI, ML, give us money startups. Um, it kind of, uh, I, I think it's it's basically a seam, but uh, with some uh, with some heuristics. Let's, That's kind of the way. It let's looks. set a fa- let's set a rule. First time we use an acronym, let's explain what the heck that acronym is, because I, I realized I, oh, I yeah. caught myself doing this last week. So I've heard two today so far. So uh, IOC. Uh, is security indicator term? of compromise indicator of compromise that means hey this is a this is a sniff so this like, is a bad smell yeah, something's going yeah, if on you, here, if maybe. you see this it's an indication that you've been compromised whether that's access to a file or a certain program right like in windows oh if you know open control delete task man if you have this program running then you're popped um mm-hmm. and a seam is a, a security event uh security event information manager security uh it's it it takes in all of your logs or other signals from your environment um and then surfaces insights that might be relevant from a from a security standpoint mhm i forget yep. what the uh because I'm also, I'm not, uh, like, I'm not CISP or something. I, okay. <laughs> CISP is a certified information security professional. Certified CISSP. Security. If you Google CISSP, yeah. there's only one result that comes up. That's Certified Information System Security Professional. That's it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not CISP, so I don't, I forget what SEAM actually stands for because these tools are not first nature to me. Um, I have I have a security in my background, uh, and I can speak the lingo a little bit. But my my bread and butter has always been um, software development, primarily. So well, I would argue um, that security is ever. I ha- I take umbrage with the notion that that security as an as a as a um, as an isolated, self contained role because it, it's it, it's not security is something like you, you have to make your network secure. You have to make your application secure you have to make your system secure well yeah we've talked about this before security and legal and marketing and finance and accounting and operations and it's all it is it is all part of everything and you could make the argument that it all needs to happen everywhere but that you're you're going a bridge too far i can't follow you on that one i i think that security is is actually a role and responsibility it's it's a a component of the roles and responsibilities that I just described, uh, in, in a much more intimate fashion than legal. Would well, okay, be, or so accounting all right, would so be. okay, so is versus ought. It is the case that security is a dedicated role at almost every organization, everywhere. 
Right, but everybody has responsibility. Let, let me let me I'm not no, you're 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 misunderstanding. I'm not suggesting that security isn't something everybody should be paying attention to. No, I, or I know that you're not. there's not there's not splash into every other area. What I'm suggesting is that at any organization over a certain size, there is a team dedicated to the study. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying that, yeah, that I'm I'm not in that realm. I'm not in it all. You're not. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, okay. Fair fair enough. All right. So we're, we're drawing a distinction here on the, you know, uh, direct right. We're drawing a distinction between the, the study and, yeah, and academic. Between the, the academic what I said. Summit. Between what I said, which was empirically correct, and what you said, which was total hogwash. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's as long as we're clear. As long as we're clear. Uh, um, false. I'll go false. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I was saying. Um, anyway, this lace work, it's just it's one of these tools that that uses um uses heuristics to try to identify anomalies in your network. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it's just network traffic or if they also do um, I'm given to understand they also replace um, uh, like FIM. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, so you make the acronym. See? No, see, you're you're a jerk because you make the acronym rule right before we're talking about a bunch of security stuff. <laughs> I take umbrage with this. Just, um, we might as well. We might as well be talking uh, uh, military. We might as well just go full military here. You know, or clinical medical. setting. Um, <laughs> So a FIM is a file integrity monitor, uh, but it, it sits on your systems and it watches for changes in files so that if files that aren't supposed to change, change somebody in your, um, in your, your SOC, you, damn it, your security operations center, uh, somebody in your SOC gets a notification that, you know, Hey, look, this, this core configure OS configuration file changed. The only way that would happen is if somebody was really dumb or really malicious. So you should go check this out. It right. Right. Alert. So there's. Um, it, you, you were asking so, about so I think it looks at both both files and network traffic and system utilization and and all mm-hmm. this and then does some you know bullcrap Silicon Valley heuristic nonsense <laughs> AI ML so give me money uh, and then is supposed to replace a, a bunch of different tools with one right. solution which is always everybody's pitch all of the time and very rarely actually works that way. But. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, sorry, I I just went real salty. There. You went. I don't, I don't you went. This. You went frank levels of salt there. That was. That was. I mean, <laughs> I, I almost went. Whoa. Am I talking? How, I'm having an out of body experience here. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, so you were asking. Um, you, you, so thanks for the background on lace work. So it that it fits with this space. There are a ton of tools that do a ton of different things, and you can use. Some of them are all in one solutions. Sometimes it's more of the Unix approach and you've got this tool to do this piece and then this tool to do this other piece and it hands the results off. There are limitless. There are a limitless number of of solutions. So things that you can look at if you you know want to explore this space, um, this lace work thing obviously could be something. Uh, the bigger, uh, you know, big players are uh, people like uh, Splunk and um, Snort. Wireshark, uh, some of those are tools, some of those are services, but these are all things that sort of factor in. Uh, you, you then need um, uh, alerting platforms on top of that. And I mean, that can be, I mean, even even log alerting services can, can work. So uh, really what you need is something that looks at traffic or looks at the logs of the traffic, something that analyzes that traffic for what is and is not good 
and then some way of uh, alerting and, you know, notification to somebody somehow. Uh, and yes, that's extremely vague because, again, the setup here it are It is. If, li- if the limitless. question was, what car do you drive? You just explained that I want something with wheels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I am trying to. Which, but, but, that's, but that's very fair. A better way, yeah, a better way fair, to I'm going to take that analogy. I'm going to take that analogy. I'm going to say what I just did was try and describe a car to somebody who has never seen a car before and understands what a car. Like I just described a car to an alien. That's. Because this is such a, it's such a monumentally huge space that going any deeper would be. No, and, and it is, it is really fuzzy. So you get into things like, uh, like lace work or logarithm, things like that, which are, you know, basically you send all of your logs and all of your, all of your various metrics collectively, we'll say signals, whatever your signal is, if it's a log event or point in time, CPU percentage utilization, whatever your signals are, you send all your signals to one central platform. And then they try to allow you to both identify anomalies, correlate anomalies with one another, and explore your data to gain insights into where you may have issues, be they security related or otherwise. Um, You've then also, you've got uh, ELK, Elasticsearch, Logstash, and Kibana. You've got Grafana and Prometheus. You've got Datadog and Splunk, which are kind of... uh, uh, you know, commercial platforms, hosted platforms of these. Um, and those are all kind of the same ilk where you're just, you send, you send your fire hose to something uh, and then it uh, lets you visualize and explore and, and correlate. Um, and I'm just, I was just wondering if you had any specific recommendations. No, because um, it, it, because, because I the, just, you know, the choices, um, I mean, this was, all. as we record lace work announced, I think it was like three days ago. Maybe it was Friday. Um, Lace work uh, announced it, uh, like the biggest Series C ever, I think, or at wow. least they claimed five hundred and forty million dollars or something crazy. Good um, for them. And then my question was, great, what are they? And then I, you know, the the marketing technique whereby you don't actually say what you do, you just put more check boxes on the page than your competition. That's right. You know, so they if they have five check boxes, you've got seven. Because because how could you possibly go with that competitor with? Such few checkboxes, or with such, so few checkboxes, or such their small checkboxes are poultry. Look at those bars. Their bars are so much smaller than your <laughs> bars, or the line. The line is way. The line lower. is so much lower. Oh, it's so much lower than your line. I mean, my yeah. God, this person, it would be you'd be an idiot to go. With this and always the y-axis is never, never is the y-axis labeled. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, just ruins the uh, aesthetic. So I went, so I saw this lace work and I went in and looking at, oh, what did they do? And I just see checkboxes. Then they have some marketing material that's, oh, we replace up to 12 different tools. And, you know, it's it's oh, like everything yes. you've heard of and a bunch yes. of stuff you haven't. Like, okay. Which is no, why, which is which is why one, it's really hard to make a singular recommendation. Yeah. But two well, it kind of goes, it's it's kind of a parallel to your uh sorry to cut you off there. It's kind of a parallel jerk. to your um your Salesforce comment from the other week. It's like, oh, we have consumed the entire vertical now. Congratulations. Yeah. You must yeah. buy us. Yeah, it's, it's, you it's, do it's, things to stuff. And so we apply to you. So exactly. Do you do you do things to stuff? Well, you need our product. So there is a lot of that, but there's also a lot of tailoring. And so if you're looking, I mean, we rattled off just a crap ton of different products and services that you could check out. And so that would be a great way to just fire hose ingest information about the space. And that's a great way to get started. But if you actually want to do something, 
you need to talk if if you are not in the position to know this. So if you're a manager, you need to go talk to your to your people on the ground, your your network admins, your application developers, even systems administrators, um, DevOps people. If you, God forbid, actually have somebody in that role with that name sidebar, if you have somebody that has DevOps in their title, you're doing it wrong. That's not what DevOps is. Save it for another time. Anyway, go talk to your people on the ground. And when you do, just ask them about the areas that scare them. You know, if, if, if thinking about their system security, what parts of their system keep them up at night? And that'll give you a good idea of what your weakest points are. And then you just go from, the, you take those weakest points and you go systematically and try and plug them up. And sometimes you'll, and just focus on just the one thing. It's very easy especially with the tools like Chris just described. I, I, I think it's very easy to, uh, and I shifted, damn it, I just shifted from talking to you to talking to the audience. So it's very easy to uh, 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 mentally expand out, oh, well, if I do this, then I should do this other thing, and I should do this other thing, and it, it, get, it, it balloons very quickly. But you should focus in on a thing, a problem, and solve that problem, and plug that hole, and then move on to the next one. And then move on to the next one. And sometimes you'll have to go as you as you progress, you're you're one, you're gonna learn. And two, you will at some point realize, oh, okay, I'm covering these things and now I have I can have this one tool that solves all of it. And so yes, there is some refactoring, but I mean we Well, in which case the problem you're solving is tool sprawl and not having a single pane of glass. Like that is a legitimate problem on teams that they that 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 uh coalescing, what do I want to say, combination of tools, that is a that is a problem to solve, but, but you're not there until you actually observe that you have those underlying. Exactly. Issues. You're not there until you're there. And so it's very easy to future code this if you're not careful. And I don't think that you should do that. Part of the reason that I was big on us calling this refactor is because I think refactoring is the single most important thing that you can do when you're building an application, a network, a product, anything. Because what does that mean? That means you have you are at a current state and now you want to move it forward. Well, in order to move it forward, you're not you're not just being additive, you're being subtractive. You are going back and you are removing things that no longer work and putting in things that work better. That process is absolutely crucial. And what a lot of people, especially who are not technical, uh, this notion that you actually go back and pay your pay your tech debt and clean things up and pull things out whilst also adding new things, that's absolutely critical. You have to do that. And so you're just constantly just doing this wax on, wax off thing. And as you do it, it gets better and better and better. Yes, you're taking time to, you're taking one step backward to take two steps forward, but you have to take that one step back to make, to take the two steps forward. Well, this, and I'm in agreement, uh, which is, which is why I made the point a few weeks ago and I will continue to make it forever, probably, maybe, um, if it's appropriate, which is everything's always in beta. If you have that mindset, that every, in terms of your, not saying you yep. can release to market an unfinished <laughs> product. That's not my point. My point, my point oh, is because if, nobody's ever done that before. No one has ever done it. No, I've never seen anything incomplete in production. No, um, no, 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 no. Your your attitude and what you need to tell your team. Your attitude is everything's in beta. So we we identify a need. I'm not going to spend the next nine months thinking it to death and coming up with the ultimate solution and designing every facet of everything. 
I'm not, waterfall is not appropriate in many, many, many cases. Sometimes it is, right? But at uh, a physical point, production, you've got a physical production at a certain one point. Place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Physical. So you and I have both worked on teams where we're actually output is a physical device, PCBs. So you, forth, have, they to, need to be you have to waterfall. That the physical. is waterfall. You have There's to waterfall no, physical. Yeah. No bones about it. Um, but it, you know, your process, your workflows, your operating guidelines, your standard operating procedures, these all should be considered. Now, you have to publish them. You have to document them. You have to be clear with your team. Here's what they are on any given day. And when you change them, you've got to publish that as well. But the understanding has to be that these are all up for discussion and we can change them in the future if we have a changing need, because mm -hmm. that iterative process, that refactoring process is just crucial. A, for maintaining realistic relationship with your team. You can't you can't go to a bunch of people and say this is the rule because I said so and it will never change, right? Everybody that's good will quit and then you'll be left with suckers. Uh the second thing <laughs> is that they need to feel empowered to raise their hand and say, "Oh, you know that thing that's in beta, let's tweak it." Right? If you present it to them as if this is this is the final end state, you're not empowering them to challenge it. And I want I, for one, I want everybody on my team, whether they're direct reports or, or downstream of that, I want everybody on my team to feel empowered to correct me, to challenge things, to make things better. Um, because I, I, I firmly believe that anybody on the team has a win, the whole team looks good. And that's, you know, let's, let's do a little better. So I, I need that feedback. Kind of unintentionally wrapping back around on my first question, which is how do you get feedback? Although that was a different different topic different than, than what we're talking about but different it kind of applies tangent. like i am in beta i am in beta and i will hopefully be better tomorrow which is you know to say suck a little less yep yep incremental consistent incremental improvement and sometimes that means tearing down what you built before because it is no longer applicable it was good at the time it's not good now so let's go back and remove it and put something better in its place that's it oh, i love it yeah uh, if you are, so I have a, I have a pick today that's uh, okay. relevant. Do uh, we want to call them picks? I, I'm, I'm kind, I, I want to call them augments because one, all right, gamer, so I think, it sounds like, I think now at the end of episode 006, it is appropriate for me to admit, I have no idea where this clip comes from. Can you explain the provenance of this? <laughs> so, uh, for those of you who are wondering, he is talking about super augmented, silent and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. And I feel like I know the voice, but I have no idea where that comes from. You, you absolutely should. So it is from a, uh, it's from a, uh, a game series called Deus Ex. Now Deus Ex has gone through a couple iterations. Um, that's the uh, uh, the voice of the latest incarnation. The main character's name is uh, Jensen, and um, uh, it's from originally. That's from the game Deus Ex: Human Revolution, and uh, it's set in the not so distant future. Um, it's funny how the distant future and the not so distant future that 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 we've you know, that has been compressing over time. But anyway, <laughs> in that game, uh, it's it's futuristic, and people can augment themselves. They actually have physical augments. You can you know superhuman strength, eyesight. You can you know have a gun for an arm and all, all that kind of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And so most of the game is around augmenting. Now the reason that I like it, aside from it being a game and it's it's really cool. Um, is that that's how I think about my own, the way I skill myself up. So, you know, we are, to, to improve ourselves, we augment what we already have with 
new information with new skills. So every time you learn a new thing, you know, you are augmenting yourself and you're just building that that library and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's part of the reason why I like that concept, aside from also having an excuse to use Jensen's voice. And you just you want to use show. video game clips in the in I just the show. really that's like fun. using that's video fun. game clips because Well, I don't like it because I didn't invent it, but uh <laughs> I will I'll get on board. So like, my my <laughs> augment this week. <laughs> You didn't invent it. So, you know, like every like every crappy engineer ever. Oh, we didn't invent it here. Well, we're going to have to rebuild this from scratch. Uh, Yeah. And for those of you who are really out in the blue there, NIH is called not invented here. That's a that's we call that. That's a syndrome. Not invented here. Syndrome is when somebody doesn't like something because they didn't build it. Um, (laughs) Comes up a lot in build versus buy decisions. Uh, No, my so my augment this week and it's it's on topic. it, uh, I'll do another podcast, and it is the SANS Internet Storm Center Daily, um, uh, published by a guy from SANS uh, uh, named Johannes Ulrich. Um, and every it's every weekday morning. It usually comes out like late the night before. Um, every weekday morning, it's like five minutes, and it's just a, a quick hit of uh, security bulletins, goings on in the security industry. Uh, so, you know, if, you know, day one and, and a few days since they've had information high level about the, uh, about the Orion issue, um, and then they'll link out to full articles and stuff in the show notes. So San and at storm center, that's a, that's a good one to, uh, augment your, uh, podcast collection, augment, augment your knowledge and skill. So go ahead and get Mm -hmm. yourself super augmented, super augmented, silent and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. I mean, I've had a couple others in there again. What's that? Had to get it in there again. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we just did the thing. I mean, we did the we did the augment. So you've got to you got to close that that segment. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's we can we could keep going with this. I'm still trying to find an excuse for using. I get it. He's a badass. I mean, aside from describing myself, you know, that's right. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. (laughs) This is right, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And uh, I have one other. I have one other from 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 my dear friend Jensen as well. Yeah, I mean, what are super augmented killing machines known for if not their unmatched love for dialogue? I'm sure nothing could go wrong. It's it's just the it's the the, the sheer. That's a good one. But where in what universe? I know. Like what I know. out of infinite possible future <laughs> parallel universes? In which subset of them do you see that being relevant? For I our just that's here? I know I know, and it's too long. <laughs> but it's just the the, like, the sheer like, snark of it is just delightful. I love it. Like three years from now, it's actually going to come up, and you're going to be so excited oh. to hit that button. You're not oh. going to be able to nail the timing. Oh, that would just. I'm going to laugh. <laughs> Quick, gotta get to the board. Gotta get to the board. <laughs> so, uh, uh, all right, we man. A, we have a bunch of other stuff in here that that uh, will. I, I'm hoping we will find opportunity to uh, to use at some point. Um, I'm I'm just waiting for the time for you to say something super lame, and I can just play crickets in the background. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm really. Well, that's just not gonna. Happen. I don't say lame things. Yeah, that's 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 of course that that would never happen. So, all right, man. Good conversation, as always. And uh, to the audience, thanks again for listening. This has been another episode of Refactored. We'll see you next week. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.